0: Support for this podcast comes from US Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why US Bank offers credit cards that make everyday more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. US Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make everyday more rewarding and check out usbankcom card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, March the 20th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Berutha. Uh, we want to wish a happy birthday to John Brockman, ex-Buck. Would you go as far as to say ex-Buck's great, John Brockman?
1: Um, I mean, he is very memorable to me. I he? just remember thinking, like, you know, he's just, one, he's just a wall.
2: Right. He, uh, The Brockness monster, a great college player at Washington. He's 31 years old today listed at six seven two fifty five, I would have pegged him more at like six five two eighty. 280. Uh, like yeah. you said, kind of a human wall in a lot of ways. Um, and, and to me, he's kind of like one of the lasting images from what were some pretty dark years for the Milwaukee oh, yeah. Bucks. Um, like he's a guy that, look, probably didn't belong uh, on, the NBA, on an NBA roster, certainly not for a good team, uh, but he was a member of that that memorable thirty-five win Bucks team in twenty ten eleven. Uh and he also appeared in thirty-five games for the thirty-one win lockout shortened season Bucks in okay. twenty eleven twelve. So uh not a name that I've really thought about at all um <laughs> over the last like six years. But you know, good to get John Brockman back in our lives and, and somebody that on a per minute basis Arguably the best rebounder in, I wouldn't even say NBA history and, and basketball history. Sport so he history. he really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, per 100 possessions, he averaged like 16 rebounds oh, for his career.
1: Okay. That's very impressive. He was
2: over over 10 rebounds per game per 36. He, one of those guys that you got to wonder had the minutes been there, you know, if he'd have been able to like quadruple his minutes for his career, what what could have been?
1: Yeah. And pace of play, maybe if the Bucks right. would have, you know, turn, been a little more modern. Mm hmm. Um, it, you know, it could have worked out. Yeah,
2: one of the one of the great what ifs in sports. Um, lot to get to you today. Uh, I know you're not the biggest draft guy. I know you're not the biggest college basketball guy. But Trey Young has officially declared for the NBA draft, so not really a surprise whatsoever. Um, I I'd talked with some friends over the weekend about Trey Young. And I think this was brought up. I don't remember what podcast it was, but someone had mentioned the possibility of like given Trey Young's drop off over the second half of the year, which even if you don't follow college basketball, you kind of know about, um, you know, w- would he have been better off coming back to school? And my answer is no, definitely not. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I think he set the bar too high already with, with the first like 20 odd games of his college career. Um, he would basically have to match that. And if he didn't do that for all of his sophomore season, um, you know, I think he'd kind of find himself in the same boat. And the other thing about prospects coming back, and this this extends well beyond Trey Young, is that there's always whatever you have to gain by coming back for that year, you're also, you know, kinda of taking a year off of your, you know, your quote unquote MBA development. Yeah. So, you know, even if you come back and have a great sophomore year or or a sophomore comes back and has a great junior year, It's going to be viewed through the prism of okay, yeah, he had a great junior year, but like McCall Bridges, for example, at Villanova, he's a junior. He's going to be 22 in August, so it's like it's all well and good, but we would almost rather, I think, a lot of NBA teams would almost rather have the more unpolished 19-year-old versus you know the much more polished 22-year-old.
1: Yeah, and we we kind of saw that with like teams hesitating on taking Malcolm Brogdon, Mm -hmm. although that he had some foot issues, I think that probably slowed him down the draft board as well, but. Um, yeah. I mean, plus when you come back, you can risk injury. I mean, you just never right. really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I didn't, I didn't follow, um, Trey Young too much, but I think I realized that he had kind of had a downturn. Cause I, I, it, I went from hearing about him on ESPN, like literally every single day to just kind of like, you know, Oh, he's, you know, j- just in terms of, of an NBA draft prospect later, right it was like, he had kind of fallen off the- <laughs> The face of sports singer in every single bar that I went to. Um,
2: well, that was part of the issue in the first place was the oversaturation of Trey Young,
1: right? And, um, but I mean, what he's still a top five
2: in terms of draft prospects. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think. Even at his absolute peak, like, that was asking a lot. One, because okay. this is this is a top-heavy draft, and the guys at the top are really good, and, like, you know, a 6'2", 170-pound point guard is just going to kind of fall or, or have a ceiling, I guess, artificial ceiling, no matter what. I th- I think right now anywhere from 7 to 12. Okay. Um, Probably right now closer to, like, the 9-10 range. Um, but, you know, we'll see. The thing with Trey Young is the best you know when you're evaluating him the best thing you're going to see what you're going to see that makes you like him the most is the tape you know right. like there are some prospects who are going to get to the draft combine or or do measurables and they're going to gain four or five spots because oh wow this guy has a 7-3 wingspan like Trey Young he's not going to measure great you know he's not he's not going to throw up a 44 inch vertical at the combine you know it's just going to be about all right look at this 25 game sample of when this guy was one of the best college players we've ever seen so right yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of the tougher prospects to evaluate. Um, you know, the guys his size generally just aren't even in lottery consideration. So the fact that he's up there, um, you know, says a lot about how good he was when he was in the middle of that run. But he's also helped by the fact that there's really only like two and a half, three elite guard prospects in this draft. You know, okay. him, Colin Sexton. You can call McCall Bridges a, a guard. You know, I think he's probably a two in the NBA, but could play the three um so yeah i mean the the fact that most of the the elite prospects in this draft are big men does help him a little bit to some extent
1: right and i'm kind of looking at the the bottom of the standings right now and trying to figure out who might need you know like need a point guard feel comfortable taking you know him at maybe like seven um and you know in that range, you kind of got like Sacramento ish, which I don't think they would, it would do be that. A very
2: Sacramento pick. It would make no sense for them to take right uh, no.
1: Dallas, I think, is pretty set. Um, Cleveland might end up there, right. um, which would be interesting. I so think that's
2: been the team. You know, LeBron is a, is a noted Trey Young fan. Okay, um, that's that's kind of been the team that people have joked about would take him. But if you're looking to hit a home run, like you know, most most scouts will tell you this is probably a seven to eight player draft. If you're picking. Ninth or 10th, and you're, I don't know, the New York Knicks, if you're yeah. the Charlotte Hornets, if you're, um you know, the Suns could end up with with multiple picks in, in this lottery, and a guy like that is sitting there and you're choosing between him and, you know, I, I'm, I can't think of a prospect off the top of my head, I guess, but, you know, someone whose ceiling just isn't quite as high. If you're going to try to hit the home run in that spot, Trey Young is your guy. Yeah, you know, right. there's really no one else who's going to go off the board in the in the 9 to 15 range who has his kind of upside. You know, not other players. There are guys who have much higher floors than Trey Young. His floor might be lower than anybody's. Um but again, not many players in that range are, are going to have that kind of upside. So, it will be very interesting to track um, you know, kind of where his stock goes over these next few months looking forward to seeing him hopefully he plays at the combine i'm gonna guess that he won't every year the the line gets drawn kind of further and further back in terms of how good the prospects are who actually work out i've noticed that yeah and like like (laughs) last year for example like kyle kuzma came in as like a projected second rounder he played great on day one of the combine and didn't come back in day two because he had nothing (laughs) else to gain and i'm afraid that that the way that the combine is going it's basically going to be like second rounders only um Okay, we were talking this morning about Aaron Gordon, who he's back tonight um, for Orlando after missing what five games? I think with I a th- concussion. Yeah, I think so. This is his, his like third or fourth concussion. I, I think he he commented earlier in the year, like, "Oh yeah, I had a bunch of concussions when I was little too." <laughs> so like, there's uh, there's been some like I don't know. This isn't really the story, but like to me, it just seems kind of you know like concussions aren't something you think about all that much in basketball, but. He's one of those guys that, like, they seem to be accumulating. Um, but beyond that, um, he's in the same position as Jabari Parker. And with us being in Wisconsin and this office housing a lot of Bucks fans, we often talk about what the Bucks are going to do with Jabari Parker. And the Magic have a similar decision with Aaron Gordon. He's a restricted free agent, which obviously means that they can match any offer. You know, I've, I read a story I think earlier this week about about Gordon's free agency, and it was it basically implied that Orlando is going to play the wait and see game. They're not going to be the team to go out and throw out a max, which makes sense Mm -hmm. because if you're planning on matching, ideally you hope that the best offer that the player has is short of a max, and you end up with a bargain. I think he, even though he's going to close the season only playing like 60 games, and he's kind of been up and down, it really is a remarkably similar situation to Parker. Obviously, mm-hmm. you don't have the, the two ACL tears, but in terms of inconsistency and other injuries, like it's kind of been the same. If Orlando isn't going to give him the max, somebody's going to come close, right? I mean, there's a number of teams, even though there's not that many that have cap room, most of the teams that do seem like teams that could kind of talk themselves into Gordon.
1: I I think so. I, like. He's still only 22. Like right. I and I, I think that kind of gets lost in it because I, I think it feels like he's been in the league longer than i mean, He's been in the league for four years, and he's he's just right. turned 22. He's he's about in the middle of that range, but um, and he's averaging 18 points a game and like 19 per 36. Um, you know, like you like you said, he started off the year so hot that like especially from three, mm-hmm. I should say it was the main thing that, um, he was looking incredible and it was pretty unsustainable turns out that was the case but you know we've gotten a whole season essentially um of of Aaron Gordon, um and his three-point percentage dipped down to 34 which is pretty good for someone who shot about 29 percent through his first three seasons um and yeah he's he's a guy who he's almost averaging like 18 and 10 right now a couple assists he gets about a steal and a block per game um 70% free throw shooter like he's just a he's just a really good kind of like a like a forward. He's he's really just like a generic forward. Like I think he can play both spots depending on where you need him to. Mm-hmm. Um I'd peg him more as a power forward. Um Yeah. But I think you can you can do either. Um but yeah, I w- I would not be surprised if if someone gave him the max at all. Um he kind of reminds me of Blake Griffin. I think that was a pretty Pretty. Kind of
2: looks like Blake Griffin. yeah.
1: <laughs> but like from a comparison standpoint, yeah. he's like the smaller version of of Blake Griffin, and a lot of teams like seem to value that style of of play. Right. So it it wouldn't surprise me if some team just threw the max at him.
2: Yeah, I mean the issue with Gordon has kind of been like you said the positionality. Um, you know, last year he played the bulk of his minutes over sixty percent at small forward. This year it's been almost exclusively power forward. Ninety four percent of his minutes, according to Basketball Reference, have come at the four. That to me makes the most sense. Um, from what I've seen and from what I've read, I, I know there's been issues as far as like what the Magic want him to do versus the type of player that Gordon thinks he is. You know, I think he wants to be that, like you said, kind of that Blake Lebron type of yeah. power attacking wing. Uh, and certainly, he's not as skilled as those guys are. But in terms of the body style, the athleticism, the height, you know, the measurables are there. So like you can kind of see, and it's not like you don't want him to develop into that player. I, I think it was just until the first two months of this season he was just way too inefficient to be playing like that and now we're kind of seeing that regression and and part of that could be you know he was banged up earlier in the year and and hasn't quite looked like himself um but to me i'm i would be much more comfortable if i'm orlando you know reaching up to whatever dollar value i have to get to keep aaron gordon versus what the bucks might have to do to keep jabari parker like if you were choosing in a vacuum between one of those two and you said you can pay you can pay one of these guys ninety million dollars starting next year. Who would you choose?
1: Probably Aaron Gordon, but that's mostly because of defense. Like I think, I think I'm not convinced that the I think Jabari has the potential to be a better offensive player, but not dramatically enough to where it makes up for his bottom yeah. tier defense.
2: And to me, the the injury risk with Jabari is is the other like right. real dagger here. If, if Jabari. If Jabari didn't have the multiple ACL tears, this becomes much more of a debate. But to me, their their numbers have been similar enough and and I think Gordon the stretch that Gordon had to start this year is much better than Jabari has ever played at any point oh, in his yeah. career. And again, you know, you have to <clears> kind of uh, adjust for injuries. But to me to you know, to invest in a twenty two year old, I would rather have the guy who has good knees. Yeah, generally <laughs> and, and i think and I, again like injuries aside i think it's close in terms of quality of player jabari's mm-hmm. a little more polished gordon's got more potential on the defensive end um, but both of these teams are, are going to have interesting choices to me if i was a magic fan though i would be rooting to bring aaron gordon back whereas if i'm a bucks fan i i do not know what to think right now um you know lay lay me out the argument for why the Bucs should match whatever offer Jabari Parker might get this summer.
1: Like literally, on your offer, like,
2: well, let's, okay, well, let's let's back up a second then. So look at the teams. You know, not that many teams are going to have near max or max space, and and some of that can change based on options, things like that. Yeah. Phoenix is one. They're they're a team that that I've heard is interested in Aaron Gordon. Obviously, he played at Arizona. That to me would be a really fun fit if you could go. You know, I don't know if you bring Alfred Payton back or not, but either way, Booker Warren gordon you know i don't really love marquise chris or dragon bender but they're there and they're cheap plus you have another probably top five pick plus you're probably getting the bucks pick this year like all of a sudden that young core starts to look a little better atlanta has room chicago has room that's another interesting one to me uh the lakers although gordon's not really the type of guy you would think they would target Uh, and then dallas is another team i think that would make a lot Mm -hmm. of sense so um you know teams like that are willing to spend up a little bit because frankly they can and they're in rebuilding mode and you know they're not necessarily looking to win now you know if if they throw that kind of money out there you know and the bucks are basically choosing between all right do we want to pay probably a little more than we'd like or just lose this guy for nothing you know what's the argument for pay him
1: um i think part of the part of the problem is like we've seen teams like phoenix and dallas like they love to take just kind of like um like just like pop shots at free agents who they think like they can maybe like like guys like they they took a interview with Blake Griffin, um, they signed the the Nerlens Noel deal, um, Harrison Barnes was another huge thing. Like these are teams, Dallas and Phoenix that will like overpay for someone to get them, right? Um, and so I think the the Bucks would be um, afraid of that. I, I think the I think the argument for um, keeping Jabari at the price would be that we we still like have not seen all we still have not seen what people would consider to be like the true like Bucks starting five quote unquote core like mm-hmm. actually play a significant amount of minutes and have a full season together. Like um even if even if we push even if we push Bledsoe aside, you know, we still haven't seen the that lineup of what was essentially Malcolm Brogdon. Um you know, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Jabari, and then whoever at center, um, which was, you know, always kind of a question mark anyway, and that, you know, I think a lot of fans like me included still think that could really work. Like, I think that could work well, um, and I think there's an argument to be made, like Jabari Parker brings a lot of value as a sixth man. Like, if you play him, like, 27 minutes a game, the, then the problem is, well, you're going to play pay a guy $27 million to right. play 27 minutes. Um and i so those to me are are my main two arguments he can he could potentially be some spark off the bench um like one six man of the year candidate and or that we still haven't seen the final form of this core that was established
2: is there another argument out there that jabari <clears throat> parker could still develop into the superstar that a lot of people thought he would be coming out like we just ha- he just hasn't been able to do that because of the injuries like you know my if putting myself you know in the fan shoes like my biggest fear would be we let this guy go to Dallas and all of a sudden he's averaging 26 and nine you know with a couple assists in two years you know because he's in a different situation and he's healthy like is, is the argument if he stays healthy he's worth the max or is there an argument that even if he does stay healthy he hasn't shown enough that he's worth that money that that Milwaukee would have to pay him
1: I think I think what you said like as far as a, as a fan, it it I've thought about it. It would worry me that like if if Dallas say Dallas pawns him off and, and grabs him from us, that um, he would essentially just turn into like a twenty eight per point per game scorer right. and be.
2: Basically, my question is: Do you still think that potential is there? Yes. Okay. Like I I really yeah. do.
1: Like and you you see him mess up a lot, and he you know defensive problems are there, or whatever. But like there's those times where you see him play. And he is crossing people up like he's so he's got like such a quick these like quick little movements that he has that get people off balance and he just fires up and the, the his defender is not even contesting the shot because they don't know what's happening. His athleticism we've seen plenty of times like he can still get up higher than people expect. He tries to dunk on people. he can score from literally anywhere at this point yeah, he's a good, he's right. a really good three point shooter um, And so personally I think the potential is still there for him to be as good as everyone thought he might be.
2: That that's the the silver lining with these injuries is that you watch Jabari Parker it he doesn't look any less the player or the athlete I think I think the injuries have hurt him more from a pure like basketball skill development standpoint of yeah. like you know he spent basically two calendar years not being able to move the way he would like and train the way he would like and things like that but like it's not like he's Chandler Parsons you know like he, no he, it's not like a noticeable drop off when you watch him play it's just. To me, it's just this everlasting fear of, you know, we're he's just a ticking time bomb. His knee's going to give out again at some point, And then you, like, you really have to start considering, like, is this, is this career even going to happen?
1: Right. And I think a lot of that, like you mentioned, like, every – I don't think he's – I still think at this point he's never – he still doesn't feel comfortable to me a lot. Like, when I watch him, like – some of the movements that he makes, and he, he kind of dribbles the ball off his foot sometimes, and he's just, like, really – he fumbles the ball or makes these just really just strange passes like that even his teammates don't even know are, like, about to happen. And I think part of that's because every time he steps back on the floor, it's, like, it's another – it's, like, um, he's been he's been off the court for so long that it's, like, it's another – it just becomes this, like, big opportunity for him. I don't know if it's, like, in his head, like
2: – Well, coming off the bench, you know, can yeah, kind of do that to you as coming well. Off, he's, he's a guy that – never really came off the bench until yeah. these injuries yeah it's it's tough it, it it really really is difficult um i don't know i really don't know like the bucks this has kind of been kept under wraps for now you know like it's obviously not something the team <laughs> no is one's talking talk about <laughs> <laughs> it's clear you know if they wanted to sign him to the max they would have just done it last summer you know they weren't able to come to a deal um, and I, I think in some ways that that was kind of painted in like a negative light, you know, like was was Jabari demanding the max, was <laughs> yeah. trying to lowball? I'm like, no, I think it was just that's just how negotiations work, um, and it's fairly uncommon for certainly for top five picks to not just automatically, you know, sign the the given rookie extension, and you know, with with Parker, there's been extenuating circumstances, but if you look back at that 24 uh, 2014 I should say that 2014 draft pretty much like the entire lottery didn't end up doing those deals. Um you know Wiggins and Embiid obviously did. Other than that, Parker no, Gordon no, Exum no, Marcus Smart is going to be in the same situation this summer. Julius Randle is going to be in the same situation. Nick Stauskis has already played for three teams. Von Le's in the same situation like uh other than uh, Wiggins and Embiid it, it really hasn't quite gone as planned for pretty much everyone in that top 10
1: yeah and I think there was I mean I, f- I feel like there was a legitimate I mean there, there were some question marks around the Wiggins thing too I don't oh, think yeah. that I mean that wasn't like cut and dry like oh we're gonna extend this guy right. I think there was an argument to oh, be no, made that know. the the Wolves should have waited on that
2: I think that came down right to the deadline as well and I think that probably looks worse now than it did then
1: yeah and um so that's that's tough uh and I do kind of worry like um to some extent from a chemistry standpoint like just letting Jabari Parker walk is kind of like a because I feel like he's a really like he has everyone on the team likes him like he's, yes you know and right that's, it's kind of
2: it's kind of putting a value on that though you know like that's only worth so much when it comes down to it
1: exactly and you know I I kind of felt the same way about Greg Monroe to some extent and you know but yeah, I mean that those are those are really tough decisions and you worry that like signing Jabari Parker to a max deal you might end up with like how things have gone with Wiggins this year. Mm-hmm. And um like I still believe in Wiggins as a player but it's it's tough to know whether he'll actually right. earn that max money. Um, uh I, it
2: well, it's just there's not a ton of precedent for A guy looking really average for four years, and then just becoming a perennial (laughs) all-star. You know, like at some point, that kind of has to factor in. And and again, part of part of the unknown with Jabari is the injuries, and like that in in some ways might almost work in his favor. And like it's hard to say because had he played this whole time, maybe he'd be a lot better, and he'd already have signed an extension. But there is still that unknown because you can kind of even if they. Even if they, you know, what what in my mind would maybe be an overpay for Jabari this summer, there's that little part in the back of your mind that's like, hey, but if he has that potential that we thought he did in 2014, then this deal could end up, you know, ultimately being a bargain.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, the the thing I I don't think the Bucks will have to contend with a deal like a long term deal. Like I don't know. I think a, I think there might be a lot of teams or a couple of those teams like we we threw out earlier that might. Uh, you know give give Jabari an offer sheet for like 3 years or like 2 years with a team option on the end mm-hmm. it's just i think it'll just be a lot of money i don't think the bucks will end up in a situation where it's like do we just give 4 years of guaranteed money to Jabari Parker cuz i don't think as much as those other teams are willing to take a risk and they're essentially bogging out and stuff like that i i still don't think that any team in the league wants to give 4 years of guaranteed money to Jabari even 3 years i think mm-hmm. a lot of teams are going to be um really questionable to do that
2: and that's what the bucks want i think ideally right yeah Is you don't want to have to match some sort of five-year deal yeah, right. i guess it would have to be a four-year deal um yeah i mean it's it's just it's very rare that we get multiple guys you know these relatively unproven yet young high upside talents you know all kind of hitting the market in the same fashion like, you know gordon like i said julius randall the way he's played oh yeah he'll certainly be in this conversation uh dallas makes sense for him i mean he's a dallas guy yeah that just, that just seems like it'd be a a perfect situation i don't know how much interest the lakers really have in keeping him um i was looking at the magic cap sheet by the way uh bismac bayambo 17 million next season and then he has a 17 million dollar player option for 2019-20 twenty. I'm. I'm a, oh wow dj um, augustine is owed fourteen and a half million dollars guaranteed over the next two years what like how did bismack biumbo have the leverage to get a 17 million dollar player option
1: while they still had vucic right i, I mean, would have understood that. bismack
2: like... played like he played a really good like 45 minutes against the cavs <laughs> in that east finals a few years ago but my lord that's that's bad i mean there that cap sheet is not quite as bad as the pistons i mean that's up there oh, yeah. they still have two more guaranteed years of josh smith to pay off beyond this year the hornets yeah. is pretty pretty rough right now
1: Hornets is rough at least the Pistons have the hope of Reggie Jackson at, coming back and I, I you know it's a lot to bank on but yeah. there's at least they've at least got their money tied up in like a young player <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: this back way I almost playing like 12 minutes a game right
1: now he is like Ken Birch is like playing yeah. more minutes than him but I was actually I, I'm on Aaron Gordon's um, game logs right now and I guess Aaron, Aaron Gordon has had three 40 point games this year right Um, see
2: that's what that's what i was kind of getting back to earlier is like when he's been at his best it's been better than what we've seen to date from jabari
1: yeah he's and two of his 40 point games are double doubles where one of them has 15 rebounds that was against oklahoma city Mm -hmm. the other one was against brooklyn so i don't know how much you want to just throw that out the window but i mean one of the four steals in a block two blocks in one of those games like he's taken 12 threes like it's you know so we have that like over yeah. over jabari to I think some he'll extent. be back
2: in Orlando I think
1: so too I can't imagine cuz if he just leaves then it's like you have you have Jonathan Simmons and like right. Vucevic you got Isaac yeah I mean, I, Well, I, the, Isaac and, is and the difference is good, too
2: but... though is like Orlando at least has like what will likely be a top 5 pick yeah. coming so it's like I guess if you for some reason would let Gordon walk you could at least be like all right we're hitting total reset you know we're just gonna maybe try to attach something to get rid of biombo i don't know what that would even be but you have simmons on a really really good deal obviously isaac's on a rookie deal you would then have this rookie coming in um but the thing with the bucks is if you let and this might be the ultimate argument against letting jabari go is if you let him go what else are you doing with that money you can reallocate it but you're not going to get anyone you can go sign a bunch of tony snells and della Vidovas with that money you're not going to go get anyone with the upside that jabari has you know so like milwaukee's never going to be bad enough as long as Giannis is healthy that you could just add a different young player through the draft yeah you know so like this is kind of their only shot and even though it comes with some baggage and there are some warts on on jabari as a prospect right now it's like could we really do all that much better
1: i i doubt it i haven't looked that extensively (laughs) at like the the free agent crop and like right. how much exact money the bucks have well i basically well, think they, they, I mean, only the like the, is, they only have like they only have the exception right or like pretty the, much
2: yeah it's not like this is going to be you know not signing jabari all of a sudden creates 30 right. million in cap space yeah so yeah it's it's messy i this is actually going to be really entertaining to see how it plays out
0: support for this podcast comes from wild turkey kentucky straight bourbon whiskey let's tune in to their one-on-one with jamal a real bartender from old fourth ward in atlanta <laughs>
3: I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true
0: classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
2: Let's talk about the Blazers real quickly. Uh, The Portland Trail Blazers have won 13 games in a row. They are playing... Is it in Houston tonight? I believe it's in Houston. Um Oh no, it's in Portland. Nice. So they I mean, they still don't feel to me like the third best team in the Western Conference. Um, but the record bears that out and yeah. certainly their play since the All Star but they haven't lost since before the All Star break. Uh that's borne that out. Um and they've kind of done this without Nurkic being the Nurkic that they thought he would be. I mean, he's right. been fine, but he's still on a lot of nights playing like 21 minutes 23 minutes um and maybe that's a testament to how well they've drafted and how well they've kind of stocked this this repertoire of versatile forwards you know and and centers ed davis belfarouk aminu guys like that um but at the same time you know i i do i do have a hard time talking myself into you know the the concept of like the blazers pushing houston to seven or the blazers taking golden state to six like at, at what point or what do the Blazers need to do for you to like really take them seriously? Maybe not even as a title contender, but just as as a team that could play spoiler.
1: Um that's tough. I'm actually I'm looking at their their point the individual players' points per game over the thirteen mm-hmm. game winning streak. Um the the third highest uh you know, it's like Lillard at thirty, McCollum at twenty two, Nurkic at fourteen and a half, and then it's eight point five, like Mo Harkless. It's just like it basically just single digits after the third, which is like, which is crazy to me. I can't, I don't, I can't really think of much of a, a, another team like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I, 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 like you mentioned, they have those like versatile good wing defenders who have shown to be good three point shooters, like Alfred Kaminu shooting 39% from three over the win streak. Moharkless 50%. Um, um, Zach Collins has been playing, like, 16 minutes a game. He's shooting 44% from three. Um, he's not a wing, but. Um, so I think they do have, like, the versatility to handle some teams like um, like Houston. The a, a matchup against Houston would be really interesting, which is why this game tonight's going to be really mm-hmm. um, entertaining, because they both kind of have, like, the two-guard thing, and then these, like, switching wing players, and then um like ed davis is like the clint capella of portland but um they're they're i think they're similar in 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 some ways and, and so then i think it'll be really interesting to see um yeah them play
2: well they're the archetype you know when when you talk about like teams gearing up to to stop the warriors like what 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 does everyone always say you need is these versatile switchy wings who can rebound and they have those guys they also have evan turner who is just kind of just nights he's good nights he's not um but yeah they're they're i wouldn't say they're a mirror image of houston but they're pretty close in terms of like you said the two two backcourt studs run everything uh but you have other guys you know, you go eight or nine deep who can all contribute the interesting thing is if they if they do get nurkage going you know the rockers don't have a guy like that no you know, certainly golden state doesn't have a guy like that um but it also of course creates creates issues on the other end mm-hmm. as well so you know, in tonight's game is, is one of those classic, like, the Blazers have a ton to gain. The Rockets really have nothing to gain. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they lose this game, people panic and say that, you know, Portland could beat them in a series. If they win it, they were supposed to win it. Um, and it's similar. I think Cleveland plays Toronto tonight, tomorrow? I don't know when that game is. But they play Toronto soon, and that one's tomorrow. And that kind of feels the same way, where, like, if Toronto wins great cleveland doesn't care if cleveland wins then the whole narrative shifts to well toronto's in trouble this is just a preview of what we're <laughs> gonna see in a month
1: yeah i think it yeah i think matchups like this they almost feel like more just like scouting events like the right. team's kind of feeling each other out as far as style goes but then they also may not be playing exactly the way like they also may be trying to like hide strategies against the other so it's yeah. like a very it's strange like, well, we
2: missed a bunch of shots on purpose we didn't want them to see that <laughs>
1: um like when last year when Ty Lue was like oh we have a secret like secret game plan it was really just like playing lebron at center when the other team went small ball it was Didn't like work. what if what if lebron james was the tallest person on the court right. it's like well that would be we saw what happened yeah um it should be entertaining though
2: gotta credit T Lue for the hype that he built up around that that was so wildly unnecessary i think because i would like, have done the same like, we thing we know what it is right like <laughs> what like what could you possibly be bringing out here that no one has seen before
1: we're fine you know he's like i'm finally completing it everyone said lebron can play every position i'm finally going to complete Mm the cycle i'm going to be the one who puts the nail in the coffin
2: on lebron has played every position in the nba all right uh before we talk a little bucks coaching search i do want to remind you that we are still sponsored by draftkings.com and draftkings is offering listeners a free six-month rotowire subscription to new users on draftkings.com. If you'd like to take advantage of that offer, all you do is create a DraftKings account, make your first deposit of at least $10, then you'll get that free 6-month Roadwire membership. That's all inclusive, includes DFS tools, and you'll also receive a free $3 ticket for a DFS contest that'll be deposited directly into your DraftKings account. Super easy. You can use that for a shot at winning big cash prizes. Visit DraftKings.com slash 2018 to sign up and claim your subscription today. We are also brought to you by a new sponsor, the FCFL. Do you know what that stands for?
1: I believe you let me know, but I forgot, unfortunately. Well, I'm
2: happy to say it again. The Fan-Controlled Football League. Okay. If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional football team. The FCFL is bringing fantasy sports and Madden Franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, all that in real time. You can even pick the team's name and help design its logo. Yes, these are real teams with real athletes. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing a full season of fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production facility built for a digital audience. Learn more about the Fan-Controlled Football League at www.. FCFL.io. You make the decisions by fan vote. Your voting power comes in the form of fan tokens. You can earn fan tokens each time you vote and engage with your team. The more tokens you acquire, the more power you have. To learn more about fan tokens, visit fantoken.network today. Very interesting stuff. I did not know that this was a thing. This has always kind of been talked about as like i wouldn't say a joke but almost like a a concept that comes up when fans start complaining about team decisions and it's always like well what if what if someone actually just turned over all the control to the fans and i guess that's now what we have it is
1: i'm on fantoken.network right now oh yeah um there is a nice there is a fan token in the upper left or what i assume it, just, it looks like uh
2: so you can confirm that the read is accurate
1: uh this looks incredibly accurate okay yeah
2: very interesting i will be doing a lot more research on this after the podcast okay uh, okay real quickly we'll just touch on a couple more things the milwaukee bucks this is uh certainly not coming from the bucks themselves uh, but we should credit uh jordan tresky who does great work on the milwaukee bucks uh locally he uh provided a i should say he works for behind the bucks fan-sided network he provided a screenshot from mark stein's latest newsletter and it essentially you know kind of hammered home the belief that unless the bucks go on a long playoff run joe prunty will not be back um as a full-time coach of this team that's not really a surprise no um but the belief also according to stein is that bucks ownership wants to quote make the biggest splash it can manage uh in this hiring (laughs) obviously the bucks are opening a new arena in downtown milwaukee next year um on this supposed list, which, again, is not in any way confirmed by the Bucks, but uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Kevin McHale, uh, Monty Williams, David Fisdale, uh, kind of the obvious candidates. And you know, as we joked earlier, Jeff Van Gundy is brought up for every single coaching job ever. He's yep. really given no inclination that he's interested <laughs> in any of them. Uh, it's basically a John Gruden situation, although Gruden finally did come yeah. back. So it does seem like only a matter of time. Uh, and then one final name. That Mark Stein mentions he says quote word is that even former Louisville coach Rick Pitino could get an exploratory look yikes I can't imagine <laughs> that Rick Petino's services are in like extremely high demand right now
1: no I, to me this feels like something that like Rick Pitino's agent or like media team was like by the way like the Bucks, the Bucks have I have a feeling you know, I, I woke up, I, I had a strange dream that felt really real. And I think the Bucks are taking a look as as every other team should be. Uh, and if they want my services, they should know that, you know, mm-hmm. they are also competing with the Milwaukee Bucks for how much I'll be paid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> I feel pretty comfortable crossing him and Jeff Van Gundy off the list. Unless, I mean, like you said, the biggest splash imaginable. And I think Grugen mostly took what the Ragers job because it was a it was an offer that he couldn't refuse essentially I and mean, the amount of money that he was paid. And well, so unless the Bucks history there as well, yeah. That's true. But unless the Bucks are like, hey Jeff Van Gundy, here's the biggest uh coaching contract in NBA history.
2: I do you have like an ideal candidate? I mean obviously when this list came out like everybody weighed in and and was just like horrified by the prospects of Rick Pitino in Milwaukee. Monty Williams would make sense. You know, that's not exactly the splashiest hire of all time, but, you know, if you're going, f- I think it's a relatively safe hire. Yeah. Um, Fisdale would probably be at the top of every coaching list. Um, although I, I don't, you know, I think he'll probably have better offers if, if certain jobs open up. Van Gundy would be interesting. You know, I, I, most teams that have like a legitimate top three or four player in the NBA, that player gets some swing in decisions like this but it's such a unique situation with Giannis. with one him being so young two, him growing up outside of the the team usa environment the aau environment you know like i would i would venture to guess that like carl anthony towns has some maybe not a a real quote-unquote relationship with like a jeff van gundy type but you know he probably came across him at a camp or at a tournament or at a usa training something like that you know whereas Giannis is like I don't I don't know if he would even have an opinion on most of these guys so like I think it's kind of hard for the Bucks to really you know value what Giannis might think because Giannis has kind of only known the coaches that he's had so far at least that would be my impression of it
1: yeah and yeah and the impression that I think I get from Giannis is that he he really just mostly cares about winning games like the the quote-unquote like culture and personality of a coach isn't necessarily like the most meaningful thing to him. I think to him um it's really just about the game plan and whether it makes sense. Um and I don't think I don't think personally like I have an ideal candidate. The the two names, like I've heard Monty Williams and Fisdale were the first names I heard mentioned um by, you know, ESPN like guys and and, and notable writers. Um I think, you know, I, mostly for me I just I just think um there's a lot of times where it still feels like Giannis is being treated like the world's best role player. Um and I would rather that not be the case because I think Giannis can be like the best player um and not just some like strange 27 point per game got like role player who accidentally gets 20 on half his nights. Mm-hmm. Um I I just think there's a lot of mismatches and situations that you can take advantage of by having Giannis that just aren't aren't happening
2: right yeah i mean i think the argument for why the the bucks have i guess failed to meet expectations depending on what your expectations were you know especially when we've seen i, I think we've we've seen worse casts of characters be raised to higher levels by superstars you know i mean you, you right think back to, to those lebron Cavs teams which i feel like i reference on just about every podcast and you know lebron is you know not necessarily a fair comp but in terms of numbers and impact like Giannis is right there especially compared to where LeBron was in his third fourth year um and, and yeah I think it's not really fair to criticize Giannis himself I mean anybody who watches Bucks games it's not like there's a lack of effort it's not like there's a lack of engagement no. um like you said it there are nights where it does seem like he just stumbles his way into 37 points and 13 yeah. rebounds and you know it doesn't quite have that same control that a lot of superstars do that said at the same time I feel like he's he's somewhat limited by like, his lack of shooting because so oh, yeah. much of when you watch a Durant or a LeBron or even Paul George, when he was back in, in, um, in Indiana and certainly the best point guards in this game is like ISO one on one ball. And like Giannis is a great ISO scorer given his lack of a jump shot, but not having that ability to you know hit hit any defender with a step back three or you know orchestrate a pick and roll and have then make defenders come out and hedge over the screen to defend the jump shot to me that's a little limited like you watch you watch the bucks and there's a lot of Giannis posting up at just like strange places on the court yeah like establishing position 18 feet from the basket (laughs) and catching a post entry you know 12 feet further away than you would like it to be
1: Yeah, I don't think those. See, the thing is, because I don't think those are inherently bad possessions. I just think what's happening around Giannis when that when he catches there is not right. Like I think searching for a a Giannis mismatch in the post. Like if you play him at small forward, and like I don't know, um, like Bojan Bogdanovic or something is on him. Like I don't think throwing the ball to him in the post and then trying to do some action um hoping the other team doubles you swing the ball around gear three hoping he can just do a little he's been working on his like little jump hook which is theoretically unstoppable against normal sized players Red. um the turnaround jumper is way better than i thought it would be at this yeah. point but you know i don't know i'm um lebron shot 32 percent through his first what is this five years from three which is significantly better than Giannis. but um at the same time Giannis. I, he's not more athletic than LeBron was, but the length is is a completely different. The mm-hmm. style is still very different, and so I, I kind of hate to compare the two. Right. Um, but I just think there's a lot that Youngest can do, and and the th- you know that can just be better utilized. Sometimes it just, like I said, it feels like it's he's accidentally falling into these points. The team isn't moving around him correctly. I don't know.
2: No, I'm with you on that, and I I would venture to guess that most bucks fans would probably agree with you as well all right let's close with this denver uh lost in double ot last night the heat set a franchise record for points scored which obviously carries somewhat of an asterisk because they played 10 extra minutes (laughs) um but this was goes without saying a, a devastating loss for denver which is now in sole possession of 10th place in the western conference uh spurs who four days ago we were wondering you know is this the end of the streak they're up to fifth um they beat golden state last night a severely shorthanded golden state team we should mention that lost draymond halfway yeah. through that game utah sits in sixth with a tie with new orleans uh then half game down is is minnesota so technically an eighth and now there's a two game golf between the T wolves at eight uh and the clippers and the nuggets who are tied right now for ninth place but you know by virtue of win percentage denver Sits in 10th. And, you know, there's still time for, for Denver to make this up, but if they don't make the playoffs, they're really going to have no one to blame but themselves. I mean, they've <laughs> lost five of eight, uh and those losses have come to the Cavs. Granted, LeBron you know, went wild at the end of that game, but that was a very much shorthanded Cavs team. They lost to Dallas, they lost to Memphis, they lost to the Lakers, uh, and then that double OT loss to Miami last night. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, They only play one more tanking team the rest of the way, and that's against the Bulls tomorrow night. So beyond that, every single game is going to be extremely meaningful for them going forward.
1: I think the – I mean, they've so they've clearly been struggling to implement Paul Millsap Mm -hmm. uh, into the rotation. Um, But also the Gary Harris, um, like the the knee injury, is a pretty big blow for them. I mean, he was shooting – and like the six games before he got hurt, he's shooting thirty eight percent from three. He basically shoots that on the year. Um he's a he's a top level like defender. Um he's very good. Yeah. And I think he just kind of provided like a stable he's just really like a sta the, the most stable presence they had on the team other than Jokic, but even Jokic has been relatively up and down all year. I mean, you look at just Harris's production every game, it's like it's it's just it's like 15, 16 points a game, a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, a steal here and there. Every single night, and I think just not having him, especially now at this point in the season, where they're not going to be playing any teams that tank, or that really are tanking. There's no gimme games. I mean, you take, you know, his thirty minutes out of the rotation, you're filling it with like Devin Harris, uh, Will Barton, uh, more minutes for probably like, I mean, Trey Lyles, Malik Beasley, like, and so, yeah. you know, you're 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 still trying to adjust to paul Millsap coming in and you're adjusting to gary Mm -hmm. harris leaving and like you said to some extent though it's it's mostly themselves i like mike malone as a coach this doesn't look particularly good for him considering the talent on the team
2: no it does not um so like i said they're at chicago tomorrow and then after that based on record their next remaining easiest game is at philly on monday that's on night one of a (laughs) back-to-back where you have to go at toronto on tuesday they're at okc and then you get milwaukee indiana minnesota at home at the clippers home against portland and then they finish out game 82 on april 11th at minnesota which that game could have you know extreme implications i guess depending on when, what minnesota does or when jimmy butler is back yeah if denver doesn't make the playoffs are they the most disappointing team in the league this year when we look back i
1: think so I had really high hopes for Denver. I don't remember where I put them in our preseason round table, but I it was probably like 5 or 4. Yeah, I definitely
2: had them in the top 6 or 7 for sure.
1: Yeah. And um and I I think it, it kind of disappoints me just because I think their style of play is just really fun to watch, super entertaining. I like the fast-paced stuff. I love Nikola Jokic. Um and so yeah and that way not get, not getting to see them in the playoffs is just kind of it's just gonna feel like a drag to me you know um not that the other teams in the playoffs aren't necessarily entertaining but i would rather watch denver than like the clippers to some with extent all due respect to the jazz with all due
2: and the, the koalas spurs i
1: i do love ruby gobert and and he's he's crazy to watch just the you know his ability to to block shots and everything like that but yeah, it's it's just a very different type of of style.
2: Yeah, I mean we they're not out of it by any means and part of the nice thing about the race being this bunched up is like you're not just chasing one team and you're not just hoping that one team loses and you win like if the Jazz lose four in a row and the and the Nuggets win, you know, four out of six, all of a sudden they're maybe they're back in. So it's not complete doom and gloom, but You know, I think there's some envy when they look at like the Cavs or the Sixers remaining schedule. I I think Philly, when I checked yesterday, has the easiest remaining schedule. (laughs) And yeah, I'm looking now. That that is definitely the case. I think they play one, two. uh, uh, They could jump up to four remaining playoff ish teams. And one of them is the Nuggets. They could
1: jump up to three, Philly. Philly? Oh, Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, they could. They could, like, rest Embiid for a couple games and still do that. <laughs> I mean, there's. I mean, we're going to get to the point, I think, you know, like, at, to what lengths are the Hawks going to go to lose that game, game 81? You know, Sixers are, Sixers right. are playing on night one of a back-to-back. <laughs> the Sixers play Milwaukee on Wednesday. Like, we might see some, some absolutely wild things. John back-to-back.
1: Collins at point guard. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
2: they might just throw three guys out there and that's that, take the technical. Uh, okay, anything else you want to hit before we close? Um off the top of my head. Okay, well, happy birthday again uh, to the Brock Nuts Monster.